Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. It's been pretty cold over here on the west coast over the past couple of weeks. Definitely colder than usual for an October leading in towards the rest of it. We do have a lot of good sun. It's much clearer now that the majority of the heat and the smoke and all of that is gone. But in its place is a very dry and a very unsuspecting chill that's been rolling around over the past few days. Where it definitely seems like we aren't able to go back into the double digits in terms of temperature. Only until it rains. Which is really going to make for a damp and depressing stretch heading into November. Which is normally going to be rain season for us in the over here. But what else can you do? In terms of what's going on in the anime seasons, we are now finally all loaded up and prepped for the fall 2023 season, considering that we ended up getting Fragrance debut as well as the last show, or last major show in this case, to hit our list, which is the Apothecary Diaries, both of which I'm enjoying very much. But outside of that, in terms of the news that has popped up over the past two weeks in the middle of this spooky season, the director for Ongaku Our Sound... Kenji Iwaisawa is going to be getting two new anime films coming out over the next two years, which is kind of surprising based on that kind of output you don't necessarily get to see, but since he's mostly just in the director's chair, he's not necessarily fully tied down to just one production in of itself, and he'll be able to go through and complete both of them in a timely manner. One of which is Hina is Beautiful, but this new second unknown project hasn't necessarily been given a name yet, but only time will tell before we go through. Angaku was just a weird amalgamation of a film, which a lot of people I could totally see as being lackluster and boring and leading in towards the rest of it, where it's just three high school kids who don't really have a lot to do with their time, essentially goes through and tries to make a band. And even though all of them have absolutely no experience with playing any kind of instrument, the way that they're able to go through and have their opportunity to make their own sound and have their first performance down at a festival, the actual output and what they're able to accomplish in over the course of the last half of the movie is honestly something that is one of the most charming experiences that I've seen in a movie in the past couple of years. And if he's going to be able to even mimic a fraction of that charm into his next couple of films, honestly, I'll go through and have the opportunity to watch it. Now for a couple of shows that are going to be coming out either towards the end of December or leading into the winter 2024 season, one of which is that we're going to be getting number 0.8 for Burn the Witch, which is essentially another project done by Kubo, who is the initial author of one of the 2000s classics Bleach, especially with how we're going to be waiting, I don't necessarily know when the Thousand Year Blood War arc is going to be getting its third part leading into next year, I don't think it's going to be winter. If I had to guess, it'll be spring, but only time will tell when that goes through, considering that, honestly, what I was able to see with Burn the Witch is pretty charming and kind of a little bit more of a stylish take on something like, say, Little Witch Academia, where you still have the broomsticks and you still have the wands, which in this case are mostly pistols and Concordias and such, but honestly, with what Kubo was able to do with his style and his world building is definitely one of his stronger points whenever it came to building a world like this from the ground up, and I was pleasantly surprised at what he was able to do with the first couple of episodes that they did for Burn the Witch, considering that it is apparently taking place inside of Bleach's world, but what they're able to go through and see how they're going to be building on this over the next couple of years, only time will tell, but honestly, I'm definitely interested in going through and seeing how this special plays out. Although, in terms of how this next one's going to be playing out, I'm honestly curious to see what they're able to go through, because it definitely seems like the adaptation for this work, they were legitimately trying to think about this. Okay, we don't want a large studio to do this, but we don't want a hentai studio to do this either. So we're going to try and get a middle-run studio, in this case, 
Asahi Productions in order to cover the majority of the stuff that we do because we know this is going to be way too raunchy to air the full thing on TV. Because basically my relationship with Gushing Over Magical Girls is just... I remember reading the first two chapters and it's essentially just... Oh, it is so incredibly close to being a hentai plot, but to the point where it's just kind of like, oh man, I love magical girls, I really wish I could become one, and this girl ends up becoming the villainous. As instead of a magical creature giving her the powers to become a magical girl, they give her the power to become the magical villain. And unfortunately, she is way too excited and way too aroused for any of this to make any kind of sense, but from all the screenshots that people have been going through and sending about, they were really looking for kind of a style that would get them a little bit of notoriety, but at least a production that is capable enough to do something that is a little more than, you know, just porn <laughs> in this case. Because, I mean, Asahi Productions, they've done a handful of other things like wave surfing, they've done Peach Boy Riverside, they've done uh, Shumatsu no Izeta, The Last Witch. Because, I mean, these all look fine, but it's not great and it's not terrible either. So definitely kind of curious to see how the rest of this is going to go and if this is going to be getting down to the point where it is so raunchy and it reaches a point so close to something, say, uh, interspecies reviewers, where it is going to have to be heavily censored and the episodes get uploaded to Pornhub, or is it just going to take a potentially erotic uh, source material and they're just going to tone it down to just being another etchy schlock that teenagers can basically get on their halfway point to enjoyment in a varied ways. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping for the former because anything even remotely close to the experience that Interspecies Reviewers was able to conjure up is honestly something that'll be able to shake up the industry just a little bit, and I would definitely rather have that happen than it just become another bit of etchy anime trash. And because we can't have nice things, Haruko Ichikawa is just going to put Land of Lustrous on hiatus. Again. And this time not until spring. And so we're not going to be getting a new chapter for at least another five months. Like, it's so close to being done. It is just on the cusp of finally finishing up the story and actually having the opportunity for us to... Because we know there is an endgame, and it's an incredibly easy endgame for that to happen. And it wouldn't necessarily be the most satisfying ending, but it would be an ending nonetheless. But it's the fact that we're not going to be able to go through and have the opportunity to finish this until late next year, since this is already normally a monthly publication, but it's like, nah, I need another five months. It's like, what the hell? The manga last went on hiatus. Oh yeah, thank you, Anime News Network. It went on hiatus from fucking December 2020 to June 2022. Like, that, that was the last one. And if she's gonna pull this off again, I legitimately, like, I, I'm not even gonna have the opportunity to complain. Like, I'm not gonna even have the opportunity because it's gonna be slipping my mind five months from now. Like, they're gonna come out with a new chapter and it's like, oh, I thought we were just done with this. It's something that is so not frustrating, but in a way that these kinds of breaks are totally understandable for a weekly publication. But I don't necessarily know what she's thinking of for her conclusion. I'm just hoping that whatever hiatus this is will give her the opportunity to at least expand a little bit more and kind of like go over her ideas on how she's going to write this conclusion, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see it in five or six months or so. Now, this anime adaptation that's going to be coming out, Hokkaido Gals, it's, in hindsight, when I look back on it, not 
the most compelling story. It, it was kind of like this show walked so Soto Biscadal could run. Because it was a fine, it was a good story about friendship, building relationships, crushes, and having all those opportunities, especially being in Hokkaido. I really did love that kind of setting. But the manga itself, I had no idea that this was going to be getting an adaptation coming out in January of next year. But as for the manga, it was riding a really steady high, and it was just a feel-good thing that you could catch up with every two weeks or so. And then I got to a point in the story where all of that kind of went out the window and there wasn't anything left. It became incredibly cynical and depressing and just completely lax out of nowhere. And it has been years since I've checked back in on how this manga... Because it's the manga is still ongoing, but I haven't had the opportunity to go through and actually see if it ever went back to its own roots, but at this point in time, it's not really something that I'm too invested or giving so much of a priority to actually go back and check it. So, I mean, odds are a lot of people are going to like this show for the girlfriend aspect when it comes out later next year, but outside of that, there's not really much else to talk about this show since it's just another one of those pieces where it's just doing what a lot of other, you know, potential, you know, coupling and relationship girlfriend goal shows have been able to do beforehand, so it's not necessarily something that I'm going to keep in priority, and I would imagine that winter is going to be looking pretty slow leading into the beginning of next year. But at least a very, like, nice, kind, comedic show that's also going to be coming out in January is going to be Tis Time for Torture. And it's basically just, it's like, oh no, the princess has been kidnapped by the demon faction who's trying to quote-unquote wage war on the human side, and she is... The princess warrior, basically everything that she'll be able to do to try and save her kingdom. But it's just that, in reality, that's not really the case. And every single one of the demons is very kind. In fact, their torture is essentially just, ah, uh, yes, today I'm going to make a phenomenal meal right in front of you. And you're not going to be able to eat a single bite unless you give us the dismissal code for the ancient shield. So, so kind of just all these dark fantasy sorts of deals, but in no way does it ever get to the point where, like, not everybody is having a good time, and, like, as it gets to a point where it's just everybody is, like, coercing towards the rest of it, she even is let out of her cage every now and again just so she can go and interact with a lot of the other people that are hanging around the castle that she's being held in, but it's just an incredibly just feel-good time. I really don't know if this is going to be something that is going to be 24 minutes long, because that's not really how the jokes work. If they do this in a 6 or a 12 minute format, that would definitely work a lot better, but honestly, I don't necessarily know how they're going to be able to like go through, but at the very least, it's just a feel-good comedy series that's going to be able to go through, and I honestly can't wait to see how they're going to be able to adapt this. Now getting back to the topic at hand, we do have a couple of recommendations today, but mostly following in the name of the spooky season, of the spooky Halloween season. So for the majority of the things that we're going to be able to get out today, these are all phenomenal recommendations for not necessarily horror, but for thriller shows that have been making their rounds over the past couple of decades, and going through to see how anime itself is able to work in 
horror and terrifying aspects in towards the rest of it. Because, I mean, for something like Made to Abyss, it's all the circumstances and the way the world around you is trying to kill you at every turn, and it's essentially an unforgiving place to go through and around. But even though a lot of the horrific things that do happen inside that show, it, you can't necessarily call it a thriller and you can't necessarily call it a horror either. For me, if I had to choose, even though it's not a scary show to go towards anime, Shiki is terrifying in another way in the sense of how other people dehumanize each other in the face of an ever-growing conflict, considering that Shiki is essentially taking place in this small town in the boonies, and this new, regal, beautiful-looking family moves into essentially a, a castle on a hill, which is already ominous in of itself, but bit by bit, more and more people start disappearing, but reappearing as different versions of themselves. Not kind of like a docile invasion of the body snatchers sort of deal, but more like they were taken and turned, and what they are treated as when they get back into the village is one of the more trying problems that the show ends up trying to discuss. Considering that the dehumanization of people in the face of conflict or war or a battle between any kind of people versus another kind of people. It's just kind of horrifying to see that change in a person or even in a group whenever they decide to describe another group of just people as other, as something else, as something that isn't human or doesn't to be deserve to be treated as such. And the way that Shiki displays the dehumanization of literally what people will do. They, as someone who was your neighbor and you've known them for years and they have always been kind to you and they've always been there to help support you in your time of need and vice versa, but seeing how they can turn on you in an instant and not even care for what you used to be, but now that you are no longer that person, you are just the other. You are something that needs to be eradicated and something that needs to be put down. And how quickly that shift can happen, regardless of the relationships that anybody inside of the show has had prior, is just a really terrifying way to think about how this is just a really terrifying way inside of a real-world context as to essentially what you can do to somebody, what you would let yourself do if you are forced into a position of power over somebody else, and not just somebody else, just the other. And it's incredibly terrifying. And then I do believe in the next series I did talk at length about how it was one of my least favorite shows of all time, currently, but what it originally was, which in this case is Higurashi, or When They Cry, it used to be probably one of the better horror shows towards the rest of it, considering that Shiki the gore and the horror that happens inside of it is more shocking than the rest of it, but for Hirashi, it's the gore and the horrific uh, dismemberment and disfigurement that people go through. It's definitely more as a shock value, as it is definitely more of like a slasher, you know, scary, as it's definitely more of something like a slasher or a scary movie or anything along those lines in trying to chase after it, because more of it goes to a mystery sort of deal, since the way that the original Higurashi was able to go through and readapt and replay different stories with different focal points and different perspectives 
And as you are able to go through and watch the entire story, the second half definitely starts kicking into high gear, considering that when you have that opportunity and all of the different perspectives and context between every other person and every other main character inside of the story comes together, it was a phenomenal way to go through and cap off something that really does throw you for a loop, especially for the first half of the show. Since you don't know why things are being played again, you don't know why things are essentially going through and, you know, playing from different points of view into different routes, into different paths, considering that, yes, this was a visual novel as its source, but how the anime is just going to say, okay, well then, we'll just adapt the main roots, and then we will able to reconstruct it and put it down the main path once all the pieces have been put into play. And Higurashi really did do a phenomenal job whenever it came to that kind of storytelling, especially when it comes to a visual novel, different roots sort of storytelling, because the only other major one that I'd kind of seen related to that would have been, you know, the Fateverse. But there's no way that inside of the Fate Stay Night or just the Fate, the Nasuverse, it's already difficult and confusing all of its own, but to see how, if any of those roots were able to coalesce into one major route towards the end, that's definitely something that I was curious about and how that was going to be able to play out over the course of the story. And I will admit that, yes, Higurashi, especially with Dean's animation, the squash and stretch, some of the gore and the horror does come off as a bit cartoonish, but when it hits right, you are definitely frozen in fear and you are really concerned about how essentially this is going to end poorly again and if any of these characters at this point will ever find a moment's happiness inside of this mystery and this stifling system that is forcing them all down these horrific paths. But now getting out of the horror, more like of the horror thriller slasher aspect, we go back into something that is a little more of like a drama and a little more of some suspense in the adaptation, and that's going to something that, honestly, I haven't watched in quite a while. These next three, I haven't really had the opportunity to go back and rewatch in a number of years, but considering how they've been able to stay with me over the course of that time, it is definitely something that is more than worthy of a bit of applause. But the first one, in this case, was recommended to me by Jesu Otaku way back when, and it's Gankutsuo, The Count of Monte Cristo, and it is... As the title suggests, it is an adaptation of that particular story, but it takes place way in the distant future with other supernatural aspects more focusing on the young son of the family that the Count is trying to go and terrorize. Because what they were able to do with that story, especially with how they build up the Count as this malevolent being, but a force that consistently goes through and takes what he wants and is all working towards his ultimate end goal of revenge for having him put in the place that he didn't deserve to be in. And how he is able to go through and mold his plan about ruining the lives of those who crossed him is honestly one of the better villains, or not, I guess not really villain, more of the antagonist of the entire story. And what he is able to do with all the pieces at his disposal is definitely nothing short of impressive, especially when you're talking about relating to other anime villains up in the same caliber. So The Count definitely is one that if you were going to go through and watch this series at all, he is definitely one of the major forces that is going to make this experience a lot more worthwhile, as he is the charming, ruthless, and cunning centerpiece 
of what they're able to do with how the story plays out. So definitely give that a recommendation for sure. And then in terms of thrillers, definitely one that everybody else knows, <laughs> but I think I'll just add my voice to the chorus, is definitely going to be Death Note. Because yes, people have been consistently going through and having that be one of the more popular shows and being one of the recommendations that everybody decides to try to get people into anime with, and that's definitely no small feat, because it is, for the majority of the series, a phenomenal back-and-forth battle of the minds where it's like, yes, they're teenagers, but what they're able to accomplish, especially with this cat-and-mouse back-and-forth that they're able to go through, and all of the different pieces at play, and all the rules, and all the stakes, and everything that gets tossed around inside of this chaotic amalgamation, definitely directed by Tetsuo Araki. I mean, he's the one that ended up directing Attack on Titan, and that's where the majority of the flair and the just pizzazz and energy comes from. What he's able to do to make just a handful of people talking in a room and how he's able to make that interesting and still keeps you invested regardless of what's happening inside of the show itself is definitely a masterclass as to how that kind of entertainment is able to go through and stand the test of time even nowadays when there are other thrillers trying to go through and take its throne. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call Attack on Titan a thriller, but I'm really curious to see how that is going to be concluding next week, so only time will tell. But the last one that I'm going to talk about here is going to be Monster. Naoki Urasawa was able to go through and craft probably one of the best mystery thrillers just in anime, period. I mean, the man has gotten quite a resume under his belt, considering that, I mean, he's already done 20th Century Boys... Master Keaton, and one in particular that I'm really going to be interested to see how that goes because Netflix just recently put that all out, and that's Pluto. And the way that he was able to craft this kind of international acclaim and story length going through the majority of the series was something that I definitely did not expect to have as much of an impact as it did considering that Monster is just a phenomenal piece of fiction that goes through and builds up the pieces of the mystery in such a well-paced way that you are always curious and you're always wanting more at the end of every episode. I mean, just to go it all off, it's kind of a simple premise in the sense that back in Germany, there is this doctor named Kenzo Tenma, and he has essentially everything going well in his life. He's going to be promoted to the major... He's going to be promoted to the director of the hospital. He's engaged to the president of the hospital's daughter. He's enjoying his work. He's doing a phenomenal job, and he is a phenomenal surgeon, and everybody looks for him and cares for him in such a phenomenal way. But he ends up choosing, over a set of circumstances, to save the life of a boy instead of a higher-up politician because he just believes that somebody else will be able to do his job just as well as he can. They can't. The boy lives, and the politician dies, and he loses everything. But because of that choice, people start dying around him. He is thrown, and he is investigated, and he is pressured for murder. And how the boy relates to what he has been able to go through and the mystery behind the choices that he made, as well as the mystery behind the boy that he saved, is the one and the glue and the foundation that holds this story well together. And so I'm definitely interested to see what he was able to accomplish with Pluto, considering that that is more of a mecha-style series, and what he's going to be able to go through and see with that. Because I, I can't remember, I think it's eight episodes for Pluto, and they're all nearly an hour long. 
Monster is the toughest sell because even though the drama itself is a phenomenal piece of work and it was rumored to be adapted into live action fuck by Guillermo del Toro of all people but unfortunately he had to turn that down because he wanted to focus more on films if that kind of story is going to be getting that man invested then there is no way to deny its quality because yeah basically leading in through the majority of these recommendations I'm kind of curious how on how November is going to go I really do hope that uh, everybody here has a safe and fun Halloween considering that. I'm mostly going to be working at the time. I'm kind of thinking about going as one of the Hanson brothers from Slapshot, since I'm going to need to find myself a costume towards the end of the day, but uh, I don't know, only time will tell. Because I'm still behind on episodes, and I do have one that I want to put out, but I definitely just need to find the time to go through and record and edit it, and I just need to finish off the last couple of episodes of re-watching this show that I'm going to be talking about as a major point to how all of that's going to be tying together. Because, I mean, I've got uh, that show to finish. I'm going to have the opportunity to go and watch Pluto, because that's already going to be long enough. I still need to catch up on Castlevania, which probably would have been also a good, not necessarily spooky, but a good Halloween-themed vampire-esque romp that would have been at least hopefully entertaining. But as a lot of people have been saying, like one of my buddies definitely did not enjoy the new season as much as he liked the previous, which is kind of unfortunate. But I'm going to have to go and see that for myself as to why he would be able to feel that way. Since, I mean, I really did, both of us really did love the original Castlevania that ended up going through. And I really did love the final season. But I'm trying to, like, Arya, Arya of Sorrow or Rondo, or it's something along those lines in terms of which game uh, this new season of Castlevania is based off. I'm going to have to figure that out later. But then outside of that, there's going to be... Pluto that I have to catch up on, Invincible has a second season coming out on November 3rd, Attack on Titans finale is going to be November 4th, Scott Pilgrim's anime is going to be coming out on November 17th, there's just so much that I need to catch up on leading up towards the rest of it, so I don't know, I'm going to have to go through and figure out what I'm going to be able to do with my time over the next couple of weeks, but hopefully I'll be able to go through and have uh, more than enough of an opportunity to catch up on a lot of these things and get enough content out for November so I can catch myself up and get ready for the end of the season, leading in through Christmas and into the new year. Well, I hope you guys have a great Halloween. Cheers, have a good one.